It's Sunday morning, and we are talking about a subject that permeates every day of the year, and it's called Christ Mass. The Mass is eating human flesh. That's what it is. That is the focal point of Roman Catholicism. Christmas is was brought into ancient Israel by Jezebel. She is the most wicked person in all the Bible because of what she did. She brought in, it was actually called fire worship or Baal, Baal and grove worship. You cannot read the Old Testament without running into that constantly. Her father, Jezebel's father, if this is the Mediterranean Sea here, Israel is on the eastern end of the Mediterranean, like so. Just a little bitty country. It's smaller than New Jersey. And all of the attention of the world is upon it. Right above Israel is a little nation we call Lebanon. And in the ancient world, it was called Tyre and Sidon. Those are different cities. But when you said one, you were saying the other. That was Tyre and Sidon right above Israel. And Ahab, we've already come to the place. I can't teach this without teaching in sequence events. That's the only way I can do it. And Ahab was the king of northern Israel, Ahab. And Israel was split into two nations because of Solomon's. This really amazes me. I think on this a lot. Of Solomon's willingness to let his 700 wives and 300 concubines. A concubine was a secondary wife. She could do all the same duties. He could have babies by all of them. And he said, these thousand women that I had in my life, they were vanity and vexation of the spirit, and I could do nothing to fulfill my desires of my flesh. Not even these thousand women could fulfill them. He said, vexation was a word that meant to grab for the wind. When you're reaching for the wind in life and that self, you'll never grasp it. You'll just be wrapping your hands around nothing. Well, Solomon in First Kings, he's not the first man to bring this into Israel. He just allowed all these wives to keep their Shemash, you can see that in the 11th chapter of 1 Kings, Shemash, nah, can't spell what I'm talking, M-O-S-H, Shemash was the gods of Moab, Moab, uh, just east of Israel, is a section we call Jordan, it's not shaped like that. It's shaped more like this right here. 
That's Jordan. In the ancient world, that was, that was southern Jordan was Moab. Moab. And northern Jordan was the land of Ammon. Where in the world did Ammon and Moab come from? They came from when, when you go down here, just south of Israel, you've got where Lot went to Sodom, and God rained fire down to Sodom and killed everybody except Lot and his two daughters. His wife was killed when she looked back, and she turned into stone. To turn someone into stone was an old ancient idiom that meant to die. So she, we don't know if she had, or she turned to salt. We don't know if they, those salt pits there in that area, which they had plenty of them, maybe God just threw that up in the air and rained it down on her because you got salt all along this salt sea uh, in southern Israel. Galilee is up here, and Jordan runs down into the Salt Sea. So perhaps there was salt spewing up with God's wrath coming up out of the ground and coming down on her because she looked back. Well, when he came out of here, he went somewhere into a cave, and his two daughters had an incestuous relationship with their fathers, not because of the sexual desires for it, but because they probably presumed that maybe Lot, their father, who was the nephew of Abraham, was going to be who the promised seed would come through, so they wanted to make sure and preserve the seed of Lot. So when you see Moab, which is southern Jordan, and Ammon, northern Jordan, those were the two sons of Lot by his daughters. Ammon was called Ben-Ami, B-E-N-A-M-M-I, and they shortened it to Ammon, and Ammon Jordan is the capital of Jordan today. So these are first cousins to Israel. Usually Jordan is not coming on to Israel like these, like Syria are like these, like Lebanon, or these other pagan peoples uh, to destroy them. That's like a brother there, uh, Jordan. So anyway, where was I? I was going somewhere. So, Jezebel was the daughter of Ethbaal. Ethbaal was means with Baal is what it means. So Jezebel was the daughter of Ethbaal, and his palace was right here, nearly on the border of Israel. And Ahab happened to have a palace up here uh, in Jezreel, which is up here near the border of Lebanon or Tyre and Sidon. So somehow he saw her one night at a party and he thought, this woman is sure is hot, so I'm going to get her. And he marries her. And we went through this last week in 1 Kings, the 16th chapter. Now you're going to see Baal in the grove long before Solomon 
Solomon's was a his was simply associating with the wrong women and marrying them I've, I'd contemplated that for years why did he do that and then when you get to reading uh, by these historians they'll tell you they would usually do that in order to establish with these foreign nations they would establish some kind of peace situation with them they would marry the daughter into uh, their harem and that way they wouldn't have to go to war with their father one of the best illustrations of this was up here northeast of Israel let me show you on the on a map here northeast here's Israel northeast of Israel just slightly east is Syria now one of the daughters of Syria was married to the Egyptian Pharaoh and her name was Cleopatra she was actually a Syrian princess so when she was when she was given to one of the pharaohs that was so they could have peace treaties with Syria because Syria was a very dangerous country they was always attacking everybody and you wanted to be at peace with Syria in the ancient world now Syria is not a Syria Syria is a country Syria and Assyria two different things well actually Assyria would be in Assyria but Assyria was an empire and that empire was northern Babylon up here into what we call Georgia uh, or Aberjan and up in this area up here and went all the way down here and took in all of this so we're talking about how this got into northern Israel now Syria was a there's a man that I keep talking about I talk about and he was the ruler of Syria you remember when I said that Alexander the Great Alex the Great when he died it's believed that one of his generals killed him he had four generals before Alex the Great you had Persia ruling and Alexander the Great the Grecian general one of the greats of all time he overthrew Persia Persia overthrew Babylon and northern Babylon was called Assyria Babylon now Alex the Great had four generals Cassander Cassander uh, Seleucus Ptolemy and he had one of them I can't bring huh 
Lysakamus, L-Y-S-A-C-H-I-M-U-S. And each one of these generals, when Alexander the Great died, they got a portion of his empire. Seleucus got the lion's share. Lion's share. And he is the one that started and began Syria as, an, as trying to overcome and become an empire on its own. So Syria was the empire of Seleucus. Whenever you see a Seleucian, Cleopatra's called a Seleucian princess that married into Egypt. And that was, and so when Solomon marries in that, in first Kings, in First Kings 11 chapter, the daughter of Pharaoh was one of his wives. A-H-A-L-H. His, Pharaoh's daughter was one of the wives of Solomon. So he was trying to keep peace. Solomon didn't have to do that to have peace in Israel. What did he have to do to have peace in Israel? Huh? Obey God, that's all. Deuteronomy, the 28th chapter tells us, if you're obedient to me, you'll go against your enemy one ways and they'll flee seven ways. Evidently, Solomon forgot about that. Solomon is an enigma to me. I don't even understand. How can he go to God? In 1 Kings, 1 Kings, the third chapter, God comes to him, says, Solomon... I want you to build my temple. And Solomon says, I am just a child. I know nothing. I don't know how to rule this I so great a people. Give me wisdom. And God says, because you've asked for wisdom, I want to give you money and all the wealth you could, you could possibly think of. And then by the t So he builds the temple. In 1 Kings, the ninth chapter, he finishes it. And he finishes the temple then. And then in 1 Kings, the 11th chapter, he marries all these women and lets them keep all of their gods. Don't ask me why. I'm going to ask him that when I get to heaven. Because he certainly was a believer. Now, we're talking about, last week we talked about 1 Kings, the 16th chapter. In 1 Kings, the 16th chapter, that's where... Jezebel and Ahab come together. We read all of that. And how in the world, that is just, just, just the pollution. That's just the pollution of northern Israel. Just northern Israel. And what she did, what Ahab did, he built in that first king's, 16 he builds temples this this is something solomon didn't do he builds temples for barbell and the grove and bell and the grove become the national god and goddess of northern israel that becomes the religion of northern israel that's why when God says, if you go after any of the gods, I'll send the sword, the f famine, the pestilence, 
and then I'll send the beast to carry you in the captivity. After about 500 years, I'll keep sending the sword, the famine, the pestilence. And they'll come against you. And one of the biggest enemies, one of the biggest enemies of Israel was Syria. Syria's had the same name for ages, for thousands of years. The city of Damascus, the capital city of Syria, is considered the oldest city in the world, as far as cities is concerned. In fact, you can remember, one of the things that got involved in, I don't know how to do this, just kind of throw it at you from the top of my head. One of the worst things that got involved in, when God says, I'll send famine, what he, first he said, I'll send the sword. And when I send the sword, that will be, that will be people like Syria coming in. Those people were bothering Israel constantly. Never did let up on them. In fact, you remember me talking about Ben-Hadad? Ben, remember Ben means son of, son of. Hadad. Ben Hadad, there were several Ben Hadads. Ben Hadad 1, Ben Hadad 2, Ben Hadad 3, and so forth. They, it was like Caesar, a king. And Ben Hadad was always attacking Israel, or Syria was attacking Israel constantly. At one point, Syria attacked Israel, and I want to show you how this thing connected together. God says, I'll send the sword. But the sword doesn't mean they'll come in and cut you to the ground. If you're not obedient to me, they'll come against you one way, and you will flee seven ways. That's what he said in the 15th verse of that 28th chapter of Deuteronomy. Many times when he'd send the sword, when he'd send Ben-Hadad in, or one of his followers, one of his kings after him, they would come in and cut off all supply lines. All supply lines. And they might let them sit there for, for six to eight weeks where they were starving and they had no food. Now, when they went after the sun worship, the sun worshipers, I keep saying, the priests of Baal tall, white pointed hats and these white robed sheet robes and they worshiped a flaming cross the clan and the and christmas and the priest of baal come out of the same thing the ku klux clan ku klux k-u-k-l-e-x or u-x ku klux is the word circle in the Greek, it's the circle clan. The circle had to do with the sun. That was the sun worshippers. Whenever you have the halo behind the heads of someone, that is the sun burst. And that had to do with the sun. And you see somebody, their head is here and, and, uh, and the sun is behind them. That means that's a picture of the sun god or the circle clan. Now, when he would send the sword, he would block off 
all avenues. This is how God would have their enemies torture them till they ran completely out of food and their children would start dying of lack of food and then they would start eating their children. And God told them he was going to do that. Now the priests of Baal ate human flesh from their altar. They would pass their children through the fire. They still do that among the Druids. This is a ritual that the Druids do. They will go down to a beach. They will uh, have a fire on the beach. And then they would have their children jump through the fire. Certain ones would be given a piece of cake. You would draw a, a piece of cake out of a hat or something or out of a basket and the one that got the black piece of cake that's where you would get the word black ball whenever you blackball somebody from a lodge or something they would draw that out and that is when that person had to jump through the fire but that was a ritual with the druids they actually burned their children in the fire in the old testament they would pass them. And one man named Manasseh, who was a, one of the uh, kings of southern Judah, Manasseh, I can't even spell. I need to write it down. M-A-N-A-S-S-E-H. Manasseh, there's several Manassehs in the Bible. It was a common name like John or Bill today. Manasseh was a king in 2 Kings, the 20th chapter. He was a king of Judah. He was the most evil king that walked after paganism of any kings that was ever before him. And I thought when I read this, he caused his children to pass through the fire. When they passed through the fire, they would kill them in the fire. They would go to a place just southeast of Jerusalem, if this is Jerusalem. And you can find this in various places in the Bible. They would go southeast of Jerusalem to the valley of Tophet. If this is Jerusalem right here, they'd go down here to Tophet. They say that Tophet comes from the word Toph. Toph. Now, Christmas goes back to all of this, the fire worship. Toph means drum. And they say they would drum the drum so loud when they would take their children and put them on the altars of down there in Tophet. That was where the Israel worshipped Moloch. Moloch was the sun god of the Ammonites, northern Jordan. That was the sun god. And they would worship Moloch they would burn their children in the fire. And the same day, according to Ezekiel, the 23rd chapter, they would go back to Jerusalem and offer an offering to God. What in the world are they thinking of? Well, it's kind of like America. They'll go out and offer their children in the fire. Do we offer our children in the fire? Yeah, to drugs and to sexual promiscuity and everything else and that's the fire that'll destroy them and we offer our children in the fire and then they go to church and try to serve Jehovah God on Sunday and listen to some boring preacher 
They don't tell them anything. And if you go to Isaiah, the 30th chapter, you can see, look over there. Sometimes I don't know what to do other than to tell you these things and just, just go and read some of it. Look at Isaiah 30. And at the very end of it, I'm going to, we're going to look at Tophet. Isaiah 30. I can't lay all of it out all at once, but Isaiah 30 will tell you here. And Isaiah 30, this is the same chapter where he says, the people of Israel say to God, uh, he says, first of all, in the first verse, woe to the rebellious children, talking about Israel, they're going after fire gods. Isaiah is prophesying before Jeremiah. He's prophesying to northern Israel about their bringing in all of these idol gods, this grove and Baal and so forth. Woe to the rebellious children, saith the Lord, that take counsel, but not of me, that cover with a covering, but not of my spirit. They're not baptized with the spirit or the truth. They just cover themselves up with a pseudo covering, with a false covering, that they may add sin to sin. Look down here in verse 8. This is what Israel says to the prophet Isaiah and to other prophets. Now go and write it before them in a table, note it in a book, that it may be for the time to come forever and ever, that this is a rebellious children, lying children, talking about Israel, not talking about pagans, lying children, children that will not hear the law of the Lord. And verse 10 reminds me of American preachers, which say to the seers, a seer was a soothsayer it was a future teller that say to the seers see not don't tell us what you see and unto the prophets prophesy unto us right things speak unto us smooth things prophesy deceits to us deceive us lie to us tell us lies that's what the preachers are doing today when they preach this easy Jesus, this easy gospel. Let's get on down to the end of the chapter. Now, look at verse 31. For the, through the voice of the Lord shall the Assyrian be beaten down. Now, Assyria is going to carry northern Israel away into captivity, and God is prophesying their destruction here which smote with a rod, they came in and destroyed Israel with a rod. And in every place where the grounded staff shall pass, which the Lord shall lay upon him, it shall be with tabrets, with harps, and the battles of shaking, will he fight with it? God's going to tear Assyria into the ground for what they're going to do to Israel, even though he ordered it. Now look at verse 33. For Tophet southeast of Jerusalem, is ordained of old. Yea, for the king it is prepared. He hath made it deep, and a large pile thereof is fire and much wood. The breath of the Lord, like a stream of brimstone, doth kindle it. God kindles Tophet. He's the one that got it all started. 
And they were eating their children, passing their children through the fire. They would be so hungry when these armies would come in and cut them off. He says, if you're going to serve these priests of Baal, which eat from, they eat human sacrifice from their altars. They eat sacrifices from their altars. I'm going to, you talk about eating your family, I'll show you what eating children is like. I'll make you eat your own children. Look over at Second Kings, the sixth chapter. Second Kings, the sixth chapter. Israel is at war with Syria. Second Kings, the sixth chapter. <clears throat> Look at verse 24. I've talked about Ben Hadad many times. And it came to pass after this that Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, gathered all of his hosts, the hosts was the armies, and went up and besieged Samaria. What is Samaria? Northern Israel. He's coming down from Syria, and he's going to attack northern Israel because Ahab and Jezebel have brought this sun and tree worship. God says, I'll turn you over to enemies and they'll slaughter you. And that's what he's doing right here. And there was a great famine in Samaria. I wonder why. Could it have been Ahab having brought... Ahab's son is now the head of northern Israel at this point Elijah is no longer the prophet in the second chapter of this book Elisha Elijah is carried away in a fiery chariot in the second chapter of this book and Elisha tells Elijah give me double portion of what you've got as you leave and the mantle of Elijah fell upon Elisha and Elisha preached for 50 years against Israel. So Elisha's the prophet here. And there was a great famine in Samaria, and behold, they besieged it. And an ass's head was sold for fourscore pieces of silver. What they're trying to say, an ass's head was an unclean animal, and just the head was sold for more than a slave. What for? They're going to eat it. Good grief. And the fourth part of a cab of a dove's dung for five pieces of silver. Just a little piece of dove's dung because they're going to be so hungry they're going to be willing to eat the dung of the doves. You say, I ain't never been that hungry. Oh, you think you never can be? Go without eating for eight weeks? What do you think you'll eat? There's no food anywhere to be found. <laughs> and as the king of Israel was passing by upon the wall, there cried a woman unto him, saying, Help my lord, O king. Help me. We don't have nothing to eat. We're starving because of the judgment of God. Because they went after Baal in the grove and Shemash and Molech and etc., and he said, If the Lord do not help thee, whence shall I help thee? Out of the barn floor, out of the winepress, there's nothing there. We don't have anything. This king Ben-Hadad has got us cut off from everything. 
And the king said unto her, Now Jehoram, I believe it's Jehoram at this point, is king of southern Judah. This is the son of Ahab. Ahab's been dead. We killed him off last week. This woman said unto me, Give thy son that we may eat him today. And we will eat my son tomorrow. The children are already dead in the siege. They don't have anything to eat. Now this is what Christmas ended up with in the Old Testament. So we boiled my son and did eat him. And I said unto her on the next day, Give thy son that we may eat him. Now she's hid her son from me and she won't let me eat him. I had a lady say, well, I never heard of Israel eating their children. I'm sorry, that's what they did with this Christmas thing. That's how bad God hates it. And it came to pass when the king, the son of Ahab, heard the words of the women that he rent his clothes and passed by upon the wall. And the people looked, and behold, he had sackcloth within upon his flesh, and he's mourning. That's what sackcloth was for. And then he said, God do so to me, also to me, if the head of Elisha, the son of Shaphat, shall stand on him this day. Elisha, you crazy man, it's not his fault. It's your father Ahab that brought this into Israel. You did it. <laughs> You and your family, you evil, wicked man. And he's going to blame the, let's blame the preacher for telling the truth. Right? Let's say it's Jim Brown's fault. But Elisha sat in his house, and the elders sat with him, and the king sent a man from before him. But ere the messenger came to him, he said to the elders, See ye how this son of a murderer, talking about the king of Israel, this Jehoram is the son of Ahab who was a killer. Him and his wife Jezebel killed the prophets. This is, and this king Jehoram is the son of a murderer, hath sent to take away mine head. Elisha's sitting there going, man alive. You did it. Your father did it. I didn't do it. This is the judgment of God for your fire and tree worship. How serious do you think Christmas is? Look when the messenger cometh, shut the door and hold him fast at the door. Is not the sound of his master's feet behind him? And while he yet talked with him, behold, the messenger came down unto him. And he said, Behold, this evil is of the Lord. This evil is of God. God said he would bring it on Israel if they went after any other gods. And they've gone after Baal and the grove and Shemash and Isis and Osiris and Amun-Ra and the rest of the gods of Egypt and, and the gods of Syria. Boy, you ought to underline that with red letter. Behold, this evil, these women eating their children. I told you I would do that, God said. I'll kill your young ones. I'll have when these Assyrians and these Babylonians come in. You pregnant women, I'll have your babies. I'll have your bellies ripped up, your babies pulled out of your stomachs, and their brains dashed out on the streets of Jerusalem. 
You had no pity for me. I have none for you. What should I wait for the Lord any longer? Look at Jeremiah 19. I don't have any plans. I'm just kind of going from one place to the other. And I don't know any way to... I can't give you the Old Testament all at once. Look at Jeremiah 19. God says, if you go after these other gods and do the things, and he's talking about them burning their children in the fire in Tophet over here in Jeremiah the 19th chapter. He'll tell you all about it. Thus saith the Lord, verse 1, Go and get a potter's earthen bottle and take of the ancients of the people of the ancients of the priest and go forth into the valley of the son of Hinnom. The valley of the son of Hinnom was that valley just southeast of Jerusalem. It went from east to west. Valley of Hinnom. There was a short word for that. Gehenna. Gehenna was another term for hell. Because those fires down there in Tophet, they didn't die. They were permanent fires flaming and they came out of northern Israel or out of what we call Lebanon or Tyre and Sidon. The home of Tyre and Sidon was Babylon. The two most prominent fire worship was Babylon on the Euphrates River and Tyre and Sidon up here. Uh, here, up here. Tyre and Sidon and Babylon. Those are the two places in the Bible. Isaiah 14 and in Ezekiel 28 where you find the leaders of these two places, Tyre and Sidon and Babylon, at this place in time, in Isaiah 14, Babylon's king was Belshazzar. And he's about to be lose his throne. He's about to lose his throne when Cyrus comes in from... Cyrus blocks off right above Babylon. Cyrus is the king of what we would call Iran or Persia. And Babylon was the Babylon was on the Euphrates River, and Belshazzar was the king of Babylon. The king of Persia at this time was not Belshazzar, but was Cyrus. And so Babylon says we can't be conquered. So they were. They had the Euphrates River running through them and around them, and the river protected them. They said, "We can't be conquered. Where our walls of our city are around 380 feet high. You can't get to us, Persia. Nobody can get to us. They had one weakness: the river." So Cyrus comes up, puts a diverting dam 
on the Euphrates River, diverts the river out here into the Arabian Desert, and you can put all the water you want in the Arabian Desert, millions of square miles, millions, probably hundreds of millions of square miles in this Arabian Desert. And you can put all the water out there you want to out of the Euphrates. So Cyrus blocks up the Euphrates. You can find this in Herodotus' history, or you can find it in the 44th and 45th chapter of Isaiah. You can read about how he diverted the river and dried up the river Euphrates, ran it out here, took his armies, walked down the riverbed, walked up, opened, the two-leaf gates were open that went down to the river where women could go down and wash their clothes. And the river was dried up. They walked in, walked in the two-leaf gates, and there is Belshazzar parting with the instruments of the house of the Lord that had been carried away by Nebuchadnezzar. And Cyrus said, you're under arrest. Fall upon this man, kill him. And Belshazzar died that night, and you can see his story. You can see the end of Babylon in the 13th chapter of Isaiah, the 50th and 51st chapter of Jeremiah. You can see it throughout the Old Testament when Babylon went down. Babylon went down at the, at the when Persia came in and conquered them under Cyrus. Now, now, where was I here? All right. I want you to look look here at the 19th chapter. It's going to tell about them eating their children. Go forth into the valley of Hinnom. I was talking about Gehenna, another name for hell. By the entry of the east gate, and proclaim there the words that I shall tell you. And say, Hear ye the word of the Lord, O kings of Judah. Jeremiah's preaching only to Judah because northern Israel has been carried away in 722 B.C. Southern Judah is the only remaining thing during the time of Jeremiah. Hear ye the word of the Lord, O kings of Judah, and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Thus saith the Lord of hosts. But when it says, thus saith the Lord of hosts, God says, I'm about to pronounce judgment on you. I will bring evil upon this place, which whosoever heareth it, his ears shall tingle. God says, I'm going to bring judgment upon Judah. Because of you have... Why Judah? Because after... If I've got time this morning, I'm going to show you how... how this entered into this system entered into if you've got Israel you've got northern Israel northern Israel well let me put it like this like it's on my map northern Israel southern Judah they were the same nation just split into two kingdoms and you had you had Saul, David, and Solomon in the United Kingdom when it was one kingdom. Under Solomon, it was split in two because of his all of his wives and so forth. Then you come, then it's Solomon's son. The kingdom has to come out of Judah. The king has to. The scepter will not depart from Judah. 
there in the 49th chapter of Genesis. The scepter will not depart from Judah. Scepter belongs to the king, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh comes. Shiloh, a term for Shiloh is Shalom or peace or Christ until he has come. So you've got the kingdom starting to split. You've got Rehoboam. You can see it here. Rehoboam, Abijah, Asa. Rehoboam, Abijah, Asa, and Jehoshaphat. Rehoboam. I have to put this on the board so you can see how you can see how all this came down into southern Judah. This bell in the grove. This Christmas system. Rehoboam, Abijah. And it will call it Abiah in the New Testament. A-B-I-A. Abijah. And then you've got Asa. Asa. Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat is one of my favorite kings. I really love Jehoshaphat. I'd like to see him in heaven say, Why did you run around with Ahab? I don't understand that. Jehoshaphat, Jehoram. I'm not particularly interested in these other kings up here before. You can find most of these kings above Ahab. You can find Nadab through Omri in the 15th chapter of 1 Kings. You can find Jeroboam. I don't need to go into that story. That'll be half the message. Uh, Jeroboam brought the golden calf into Israel as a as a way of keeping the kings from going back to southern Judah and join up with southern Judah. But these kings right here, Nadab through Omri, are going to be found in the 15th chapter of 1 Kings. Nadab only has about one verse denoted, given to him. He wasn't very important at all. And they're always trying to overthrow each other and kill each other here. When you get to Ahab, he was a contemporary of Jehoshaphat. When Jehoshaphat's ruling down here, Jehoshaphat's ruling, Ahab ruling in northern Israel. Ahab. Ahab's ruling in northern Israel at the same time Jehoshaphat's ruling. Ahab marries Jezebel from up here in Tyre and Sidon and she brings her gods Baal and the grove and it, and in the McLennan Strong, when you look up Hercules, it'll tell you this was the Tyrian Baal, or the Baal of Tyre, was called Hercules. Hercules was nearly in every system. It was in Rome, it was in Babylon, it was in Israel, in the form of Baal. So Ahab bring, marries Jezebel, that's why I keep saying she is one of the most evil women in the Bible because everything God was told, told Israel not to do, they did it through Jezebel. Jezebel we think of as some movie or some song. 
uh, Frankie Lane had a song years ago, if ever the devil was born without a pair of horns, it was you, Jezebel, it was you. That's not the Jezebel of the Bible. She wasn't Jezebel because she painted herself up. She was evil because she brought other gods into Israel and made it the national god and goddess of Israel. We found that out in the 11th chapter of 1 Kings. How does it get down into southern Judah? I'll tell you exactly how. Turn over here to, I'll come back to the 19th chapter of Jeremiah. Turn over to the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians. This is how it happens. 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians. Here's how everything evil happens in your life and mine. We run with the wrong people. But they're real nice. And, and they, they love Jesus. They go to the big Baptist church. They don't mean nothing. Do they believe in death to self, daily cross, self-denial, and being hated by the world? Do they believe in predestination? Are they willing to give up Christ's mass, the Roman Catholic unholy day? Look at verse 33. Be not deceived. Evil communications. Evil. Evil is the word kakos. means worthless. Worthless communications. Homilia. H-O-M-O-L-I-A. It means companionship. Evil companionship corrupts, corrupts. Fathero, P-A, I love that word, T-H-E-I-R-O. It means rots. It rots your morality. It makes it rotten. Corrupts good, E-T-H-O-S. That word ethos means ethics. You have no ethics when you run with the wrong people. They will corrupt you. They will mess you up. And the reason Southern Judah got corrupt, one of the best men in the Bible, Jehoshaphat, a godly man, he had the Bible read throughout all of Israel, he did not want to corrupt himself, but he thought like I have thought in the past. Well, if I run around with this guy, Ahab, Ahab came to him and said, help me go fight Ben-Hadad up here in Syria. He's wanting to overrun me, and I need your help. I need your help, Jehoshaphat. Joseph had, let's go, said, I said this last week, but he said, let's go find a prophet. That's kind of prophet of God. And Ahab said, but if you get a prophet of God, they don't like me. They say bad things about me. I guess so, you're a murderer. Joseph had, you have no business running around with him. Great day in the morning. So he, they find the prophet Micaiah, M-I-K-A-I-A-H, M-I-K-C-H-A-I-A-H. Micaiah says, go ahead, go into battle. 
uh, said, uh, if you go into battle, when you come out, you won't be coming out because Israel will not have a king any longer. You're going to die, Ahab. And he turns to, to Jehoshaphat and said, I told you they don't say good things about me. Well, you have nothing good about you. You're a killer. You've murdered Naboth. You put your approval on your wife killing the prophets. What do you do with him? So Ahab, he finally convinces some of the priests of Baal to give him a good word. You go into battle and you'll be okay. He puts Micaiah on bread and water and puts him in jail for telling him the truth. Well, Ahab gets into battle. I said this last week, one of my favorite stories, how that Ahab tells Jehoshaphat, let's me and you change outfits so they'll think I'm you and you're me. You don't want to do that. They're going to battle so they can kill Ahab. Well, these Syrians catch up with, they catch up to to uh, Jehoshaphat in Ahab's clothes. And they say, you're not the guy we want. Get away from us. Where is that Ahab? And that's when a man draws a bow at a venture and God performs 3D calculus. Ahab's running across the plain and this bowman is over here shooting his arrow with so many pounds of pressure and it goes and hits Ahab between the hardest and he said, I am a hit. And God killed him right there in that battle in the 22nd chapter of 1 Kings. Because of all that they did, I want to read something to you and I want you to remember this because this goes in with this story. We've got to kill off. First of all, I've got to show you how this got down in southern Judah. It got into southern Judah with Jehoshaphat running around with Ahab because they end up... When you run around with somebody, don't you end up naming your kids after them if you're best friends in high school? That's kind of what you do. And you'll notice Ahab had a son named Ahaziah. He also had a son named Jehoram. The guy he run around with had a son named Jehoram and a grandson named Ahaziah. They're naming their kids after each other. Well, they're running around and they're so close. I, I don't understand. I did this with a gospel singer one time. The guy was a heathen. And I'd try to make friends with him and lead him in the right way. And he'd affect me with his, with his philosophies. And I ended up doing some wrong things. I was affected by association. Who you associate with will deal with you. Well, it won't bother me. Yes, it will. It did me. I couldn't get away from it. Now. While they're running around together, Ahab and Jezebel 
there ain't no other title for her but her that I've given her her, her official title the daughter from hell <laughs> what do you have when you cross Ahab and Jezebel the daughter out of hell itself her name was Athaliah when you see her on a chart you see her on this chart right here Athaliah, as soon as Ahaziah dies, Jehoram, her husband, dies, she says, I want this kingdom for me. So she goes out and has all the seed royal. That means anyone that can be heir to the throne of southern Judah. What else do you think she's going to do when she comes down to southern Judah? She marries Jehoram, the son of Jehoshaphat, a godly man, except his association with Ahab has caused his son to marry the witch of the north. She comes down, brings her gods down, and says, I want this whole thing for me. And she has all the seed royal killed. She's a murderer just like her mother. Except one. <laughs> That's great, isn't it? Ah, she missed one. Joash. The only seed of Judah left carry on the lineage of God in order to get it down to Jesus in the first chapter of Matthew. See, he's got to be there. Without Joash, there's, this is the same thing that happened in Genesis, the 38th chapter. When Judah... Out of Judah has to come the king. Has to come out of Judah. Well, Judah marries this, or Judah has a son that marries this woman, Tamar. Now, Tamar is a common name. That was also the name of one of David's daughters that got raped by his son, uh, Ammon. So don't get them confused. And Tamar, she's married to one of to one of Judah's sons. And and she was as it was the custom of the Jews, when one son would die, his brother would take his place and marry the same woman, and the first son would be the lineage of his brother. Well, he gives, he gives his, Judah gives his son, Onan, the wife, Tamar. But Onan, upon copulation, the sexual acts, he withdraws from Tamar and says, I'm not giving my seed to any other person but me. And God says, you've crossed my path now. And he killed him. And then he had another son he didn't give to. And God killed him. 
So Tamar said, we have to preserve, we got to preserve the seed of Judah, my father-in-law. So she goes out into a place where harlots were prone to inhabit in an area. And Judah, out there looking for a harlot, they weren't exactly sinless. He goes out looking for a harlot, and he, she has a veil over her face. He doesn't know this is his daughter-in-law. So she plays the harlot, not for sexual reasons. She plays the harlot to preserve the seed of God. To preserve Judah. The same thing that's happening over here when Joash is the only one left of Judah. And they think they've killed everybody. She thinks, Athaliah thinks I've killed them all. Well, Tamar goes out, plays the harlot, brings Judah into her little place. They have a sexual encounter. And she's pregnant. But she's preserved the seed of Judah. And he said, I'm going to go and come back and bring you a goat or something for my sexual services. So he leaves. He comes back and says, where's the harlot that was in this place? One man says, there was no harlot here. He goes back home. Someone comes and tells him, Tamar, your daughter-in-law is pregnant. That's a death sentence. She has gotten pregnant. Here's hypocrisy at its height. She's gotten pregnant. Yeah, it was by you. And he says, bring her in here. She's going to die. And he brought, they brought her in and said, whose child is this that you're pregnant with? She said, whoever's staff this belongs to. And whoever's ring this is. He went, oh God, I have sinned. And that is where, that is two places where Judah's seed has remained through Tamar's pregnancy and through Joash's. That's the one that Athaliah didn't get to. But she thinks she's going to be queen over all, not queen, forgive me, King, she's going to rule Israel, but Joash is there. You can see her. So when all of this was through association, Ahab was in northern Israel. He's right up there on the border of Tyre and Sidon. This is everything that Christmas is about. It's about her bringing it into Israel. It's I keep saying it's the same thing. I hope y'all can understand this. It's a lot of information. But it's... Let me say this real slow. I don't know. if I've never had anybody come up to me and comment to me about it. This is the Mediterranean Sea. It was called the bottomless pit, the place of no knowledge. Nobody had any knowledge of God except Israel here on the eastern end of the Mediterranean. This was the pit. Abusas, 
A-B-U-S-S-O-S, that's the word bottomless pit. Comes from bathos, means a place of great knowledge. The alpha period negates the word, it means no knowledge. And that's the word bottomless pit. Every time you find it in Revelation, it doesn't mean a pit with doesn't have any bottom in it. It means a place of no knowledge. Nobody had knowledge of God until God extended the gospel to the Gentiles in Acts 2. This is about the Gentiles coming to the light. Only Israel had the knowledge of God. Now, so is so through Tamar, through her pregnancy, and through Joash, this woman, Jezebel with her daughter Athaliah, pollutes all of Israel with this sun and tree worship. I've said this before. I've said it a hundred, five hundred times. Revelation 17 and 5. I hope you can understand this. That Babylon. When I say Babylon, I'm not talking about just a city. I'm talking about the spiritual devastation of the world. The Bible says all idolatry. Babylon was the mother of harlots. Harlot is the word, you know, harlot means idolatry, E-I-D-O-L-O-L-A-T-R-E-I-A. It comes from ido meaning to see, and latruo meaning to serve, the mo what mothered all idol worship. I don't care if it was Israel. During the time they were kings, I don't care if it's on some South Sea island. What's really amazing, in a South Sea island, when there's a volcano god, and they take a young virgin and throw her into the fire to appease the god of the volcano. Volcano comes from the word Vulcan. Volcano. And Vulcan was just a contraction for the word Baal, Baal, Kahan. Baal Kahan, Baal Khan. It has the basic same sound. Baal Kahan, Kahan is the word priest of Baal and they ate human flesh and wore tall white pointed hats and white sheets. Human flesh. I don't know any other preacher who even knows all of this stuff. I spent 63 years studying the Old Testament. That's why it's second nature to me. These people are my acquaintances and my enemies. Ahab is my enemy, not just God's. He's my enemy because he polluted Israel all through the Old Testament. And his wife, through the wrong association, brought all this into Israel. They have a daughter together named child of hell herself. And she brings it into the son of Judah. And that's why. That's why Isaiah kept saying the Gentiles are going to come to the light because God has done all of this so the Gentiles can come to truth, and that's you and I. 
Christmas is evil and pagan, but it's a good thing it happened, otherwise we wouldn't have Jesus as our Savior. I don't even understand that. The Bible says in Romans 11, 11, did Israel stumble merely to stumble? God forbid. They stumbled so salvation could come to the Gentiles. That's us. Now try to figure that out. Try to figure out the mind of God. Who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? Try to figure out why did God say, if you go after all these evil gods, and I'm going to cause you to do it, I'm going to bring the sword, the famine, the pestilence, and the beast to carry you away so I can call the Gentiles to the light. He tells Babylon, don't you do that. If you do, I'll destroy you. Or Israel, don't you do that. I'll destroy you, and I'll use the beast to do it, and I'll put it in their minds to come in and carry you away. And then when they've carried you away, I'll look at the beast and say, why did you do that to my people? What? Can you figure that out? I can't. Do I believe it? Yeah. I believe it because God said so. Now, how much time do I have, Mike? 24. I was going to get into Athaliah and her actions. You'll find her actions beginning over here around the ninth chapter. I, there's one other man I've got to bring up in here. Jehu. God's going to have to make him king over northern Israel, Samaria. He's got a job. When Ahab is killed in battle in the 22nd chapter of 1 Kings, Jehu's got to kill all the sons of Ahab so none of them will sit on the throne in Israel. And that'll be his job. He also is the special man that God called to go up to northern Israel 13 years after Ahab's death and he's going to kill Jezebel. This man has got one of the greatest jobs in the world. It's his job to kill Ahab's 70 sons. He's told, he tells the men, I want you to go and kill all of Ahab's sons, cut their heads off, and bring them to me in a basket. You say, Jim, that sounds cruel. Yeah, it does. But God says, you had no pity for me, I have none for you. I keep, this. I'll just read a verse out of this 19th chapter. He's talking about causing Israel to go to Tophet in the 19th chapter of Jeremiah. And look at verse 9. I will cause Israel to eat the flesh of their own sons and the flesh of their daughters, and they shall eat every one the flesh of his friend in the siege. A siege is when they come in and surround the city no food for six or eight weeks, and you're going to be eating your children. Now, where was it I was going? i got to introduce you to Jehu where he comes on the scene. Go to the 18th chapter of 1 Kings. This is not where he comes on the scene, but this is where... Boy, this is hard to get to all this. Can't get to all of it. Go to 1 Kings. 
the 18th chapter. Remember the 16th chapter of 1 Kings is where Ahab marries Jezebel and brings it all into Israel. That's 1 Kings, the 16th chapter. First Kings, 16th chapter. First Kings, 16th chapter, Ahab and Ahab marries Jezebel and brings her gods into Israel. Same thing as Christmas, whether anybody likes it or not. Ahab and Jezebel, marries Jezebel. And then the 17th chapter, since they make Bel in the grove the national god and goddess of Israel, in the 17th chapter of 1 Kings, Elijah comes out of the woodwork. This man was a Tishbite. We don't know what that was. Some people think he may have been an Arab. And he comes before Ahab and says, There will be no rain. You talk about famine. There will be no rain in Israel for three and a half years. Not even dew on the ground. Hundreds of thousands of Israel people are going to die. For what? For what Ahab did in the previous chapter. Bringing Christmas into Israel. So it pronounces no rain. Then he goes to a cave and stays for two and a half years. Two and a half years. While he's in this cave, the ravens come and feed him. That's a very strange thing. Ravens were an unclean bird. Why would God call an unclean bird to come and feed Ahab? And how could they in their beaks bring him enough food to survive? Ravens was a term for a certain sect of Arabs. And if he was an Arab, they could have been coming to feed him. He stayed in this cave comes out of the cave and in that 18th chapter 18th chapter Jezebel says this Elijah is going to pay with his life if he's not dead this time tomorrow and so Elijah starts running they're in the palace in northern Israel probably up there at Jezreel and he starts running through Israel and gets out here into the Negev Desert. When he gets, we're talking about Christmas, people. This is everything that she brought into Israel. If Babylon mothered it all, then everything that Israel did was the same thing that Constantine did when he was afraid he was going to lose the empire to the Huns, the Goths, the Visigoths, the, the Vandals, the Saxons, the Burgundians, all of these pagans, the Visigoths. He was afraid he was going to lose it, so he said, let's bring their gods, which if they are other gods... They came out of Babylon just like what Israel was serving came out of Babylon. Sun and tree gods, these are sun and tree gods. 
That's when he brought this system into Israel and renamed the Saturnalia, the Feast of Saturn, Christ's Mass. It was Pope Jews the first that gave Christmas its pagan name, Christ's Mass. Now, where was I? All right. In this 18th chapter, this is very important. He's running for his life, and he runs. And in verse 13, it says, Jezebel slew the prophets of the Lord, and he had hidden hundred men of the Lord's prophets by fifty in a cave. This is what this this uh, prophet says, Obadiah. This is not the Obadiah of the book of Obadiah. This is Obadiah the prophet. He hid. He was in the court of Jezebel. But he hid some of the prophets from her while she was killing them. And then he runs into Ahab. Elijah runs into Ahab. Verse 17. And it came... This... Before I get down to here, Elijah's running. He finds a juniper tree. And he sits down on a juniper tree. He says, Lord, I'm not better than my fathers. Kill me. They died for you. He said, I'm not ready for you to die. I got work for you, Elijah. And look what he says to him. So he runs down into the desert. In verse 17, it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah that Ahab said unto him, Ahab says to Elijah, this is a funny statement, question. Art thou he that troubleth Israel? Ahab to Elijah. Are you kidding? You're the guy that troubled Israel. The reason there's been all of this famine and no rain is because of you marrying Jezebel, you knucklehead. It's crazy, isn't it? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you and thy father's house, in that ye have forsaken the commandment of the Lord and from and has followed Balaam, which is plural for Baal. Great day in the morning. Now therefore send and gather to me all of Israel. Mount Carmel and prophets of Baal, 450 of the prophets of the groves and 400 which are at Jezebel's table. And he says, now I want you to kill them. And the next day, Elijah, Jezebel hears about this. And she says, verse 1 and 2, chapter 19, Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Elijah had done. She did it. Everything. Are there any lies in the Bible? Yeah. Ahab lies every time he opens his mouth. And now he had slain all the prophets with the sword. He killed all of her prophets. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah saying, Let the gods do so and more also if I make not thy life as the life of one of men by tomorrow about this time. If you're not dead about this time, Elijah, there's not a god in the sky. She said, I'm going to kill Elijah. She takes out after him. And he's running. And that fourth verse says, And he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree and he requested for himself that he might die and it, and 
said, It is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. You can look at Jeremiah 20 and 7, where, Elijah, where Jeremiah said, Lord, the whole nation is out to kill me. Lord, I've had enough. I want to die. But I can't. It's a burning in my heart. Jeremiah said the same thing. You ever feel like you want to die because you're catching so much flack for the truth? I feel that way. So he goes on down south. God tells him to go south. Look at verse 11. And God said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains, and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. And the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. The earthquake and the fire and the wind was not God talking to Elijah. He tells him what it is. And after the fire, a still, small voice. He's going to tell you what the still, small voice is right here. It has to do with Jehu, with Jezebel, with Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria. And he says, and it was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering end of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What dost thou have here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. I wanted to die yesterday. And you didn't want me to. You said you had something else, and he said, I got a still small voice, and here's what it is. Because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant. What's the covenant? I'll be your God, you'll be my people, you'll have plenty of food, you have plenty of rain, but if not, and you forsake my covenant, I'll bring the sword, the famine, the pestilence, and the beast. Throw down thine altars and slay thy prophets with the sword and I even I only left and they that seek my life take it away and the Lord said unto him here's my still small voice go return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus and when thou comest anoint Haziel to be king over Syria He's going to kill Ben-Hadad, the permanent enemy of God in Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel. He's going to kill all of Ahab's sons. He's going to set things. He's going to pull all the bell and grove worship out of Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Bel Mahoah. You have to understand that Elijah took the place of Elijah. It's Elijah God's talking to right here. He said, You gotta have a man that follows you, and it'll be under Elisha. Elisha will anoint Jehu and tell him, Kill Ahab's sons. And shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy place. You see, this is the still small voice. I got something for you to do yet. Just because the enemy's chasing you, it don't mean your life's over. Because it's not. Boy, I feel like the enemy's chasing me every day.
How much time do I have, Mike? Time. I was going to go into... Let me go into Jehu a little bit. Look over here in 1 Kings 19. You get into, not 1 Kings, not 19, 2 Kings 9. You get into 2 Kings 9. Remember, remember, from 1 Samuel. I can't write with it. 1 Samuel to 2 Chronicles. This is the book of the kings. From 1 Samuel to 2 Chronicles, the 36th chapter. That's all the kings of Israel. That's the story of all these men. And if you read, if you get a hold of this, you can't keep from getting a hold of Christ's mass. Find out what it is. I don't care what John MacArthur says or any of these big famous preachers say. Christmas is paganism. It's everything. It's all this adventure that's going on over here. It's about Jehu killing Ahab's sons, Ahab and Jezebel, and Athaliah and Jehoram, all of them bringing this all in and corrupting all of Israel. And that's why God turns to the Gentiles, and that's why he scatters them. When he scatters them all over the world, God doesn't stop his rituals. He says, you've got to come back to Passover, Pentecost, and the Feast of Ingathering. And by the time you get to Acts 2, they've been carried away to six to 700 in 20 years, they've been carried away and they're speaking all the dialects and the glossa of the world. Glosses have been interpreted to the word tongue. And there's, they're carried away because of all of this apostasy that, Je, that Jezebel brought into Israel. And that's where the tongues come from. And God measures out the 70 weeks of Daniel on them for having done all of this. The 70 weeks of Daniel, the tongues... Christmas, the Gentiles come into the light, which is, which is the spirits in prison. All of this is a part of the same picture. Can you see that? It's all a part. If you can understand this, you can understand something I've never heard any other preacher in America teach. They don't understand it, how tongues is a part of this thing. If they're scattered for hundreds of years, they're taking on the languages of the people where they're going. And when they come back to these feasts in, their, in Acts 2, they said, how here we have a man and our own tongue, our own dialect, wherein we were born. There was a different dialect of the Greek language in every city-state. It's like, this is a simple picture. It's just got a whole bunch of strokes to the picture. Does somebody else see that? Shake your head yes or no. You can see that? I don't believe there's a preacher in America I've ever even heard that understands this. Does that a boast? No, that depresses me to no end. Because I get up every day and look out the door, look out the window, say, God, they're still there. They don't believe you. 
I can't know all this and go back to doing Christmas ever. Now, look over here in Second Kings 19. I won't be able to catch much, do much on this. Not 19, 2 Kings 9. When you get to 9, when you get to 9, you get into 2 Kings 9, you get into Jehu. I don't know where to go from here. I got an all day message left here. I mean, it's going to take me until 3 o'clock this evening to even get started on it. You're going to have you're going to have Jehu in Second Kings nine and ten, and this is where he's going to execute God's judgment. Second Kings nine and ten. Jehu does one of the trickiest things that's ever been done in Scripture. He says, "Call all the priests of Baal." He's become new king and he's killed off all of uh, Ahab's sons. He said, gather all the priests of Baal into the temple of God. He said, Ahab worshipped Baal a little. I'm going to worship Baal much. And he got them all in the temple. And he told, he told his men, he said, are they all here? All the priests of Baal? Kill them! What a way to get <laughs> I'm going to worship Baal much. He gets them all in one building. Says it's your death sentence. That's the way he got rid of the priests of Baal. And he got rid of, and you're going to find him in these two chapters, getting rid of Ahab's descendants so nobody can keep carrying on. But what's amazing to me, even after Joash... The only one that's reserved, that's left. A lot of these kings after him get evil. There's not but three righteous kings in all of Israel. Who were they? Huh? David, Hezekiah. And Josiah, they were completely righteous. The rest of them, some of them were halfway righteous, like Asa. Asa was really good when he was young. We could honor him in his old age. I liked Asa. Jehoshaphat was a good guy. He just ran around with the wrong people. That's what brought it, brought all this down into southern Judah. Uzziah was a very famous king. Uzziah, he built aqueducts for Israel, all kinds of plumbing systems in Israel. He was an, an advanced head of the city commission. <laughs> Whatever. He built all kinds of things for Israel. But he went into the Holy of Holies one time, and he's of the tribe of Judah. And you can't go in there. If you go in there and do any works of the king, God will strike you. So he got leprosy. 
Uzziah had such a good, you had such a good reputation. Ahaz was evil. Manasseh was that king I told you about that was just wicked to the core. And I thought when I first read about Manasseh in my 20s, I thought, Lord, you need to kill him and put him in hell. I read about him in Second Kings, but then I read about him over in Chronicles, and it says when he got over, when he was carried away into captivity, he converted. So Manasseh is an illustration of just how wicked a believer can get. Have you ever been wicked? I am so ashamed of myself. Don't you lie. <laughs> and then Zedekiah, the last king of southern Judah, this is the surviving kingdom after northern Israel was carried away under Hoshea. Zedekiah was a pansy. He's the last king of southern Judah. Zedek Jeremiah was walking through the streets saying, Judgment's coming. The king of Babylon's coming, going to carry you away. And the princes of Israel, the princes of Israel, went to Zedekiah and said, Zedekiah, can we kill this man Jeremiah? He is really distressing all of Israel and breaking the hearts of Israel. And Zedekiah said, well, you can hang him in the mire. <laughs> and the mire was in some of those dungeons which were the they say it was the waste area for human dung and urine. He said you could hang him in that. So they'd hang him in the mire and the rumblings would come through the gossip that Nebuchadnezzar was on his way. And Zedekiah would say, go get, go get Jeremiah, I need to ask him a question. They'd pull him out of the mire, stinking, bring him in. He'd walk in to the palace where Zedekiah was, and then Zedekiah would say, Jeremiah, have you heard a word from the Lord lately? Somebody slap that guy and knock him down. What are you talking about? Jeremiah said, yes, judgment's coming. He didn't mince any words with Zedekiah. So they took Zedekiah when Nebuchadnezzar came in, or Nebuchadnezzar and his commanding general came in, and they brought Zedekiah's sons before his eyes. They said, take one last look at them. This is the last you're going to see of them. And they killed his sons before his very eyes. They punched his eyes out of Zedekiah, tied him up naked, and march them off to Babylon, and you don't hear anything else about Zedekiah. Just a pansy. I'm out of time. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your truth about this Christ mass thing. It's everything that was evil in the Old Testament. Help us to see that. Lord, I pray you give me strength. I pray for my wife, Mary. She's struggling. We don't even know what to ask you for. We just know to bow to your will. Fight our battles. Lead us to your elect family. Cause us to be completely committed to you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. I meant to get to Athaliah this morning, but I didn't.
Hey, Dwayne, what you doing? I'm a Titan. The Titans around here. <laughs> I love you. I love you too. Here, this is tickets to uh, Black, Ro Black Rose on the third race. That was pretty cool, huh? <laughs> How you doing? How good. How's Mary doing? She's not doing good. She was she was ready to come to church this morning. She said, "I, I can't go." Uh, I know the feeling, but she was just really struggling with her blood pressure. And I had to take her to the emergency room Thursday night, and her blood pressure was just raging. Her face was all swollen. She called her doctor at home. He said, "Go to the emergency room." So they gave her a bunch of fluids, IVs, and stuff. Yeah. Just struggling. She's just struggling. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are tough. Where are you going? Uh-oh. Hey, little guy. He knows there's candy. He's got a child radar. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you later. I love you, brother. I love you, brother. I love you. I will. Huh? What do you want? You want something I've got? How you doing? <laughs> Whoa! Oh man! Hey, what are you doing there, guy? I thought we were gonna be able to sit out here. <laughs> How you doing? Um, making it. Are you making it? Still alive. 